0: Howdy, Memes! Welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show. Hello. Hello. Hello! Hello! Hello!
1: Tonight we have on the amazing Bobby West, He's going to tell us all about an uh, upcoming Kickstarter and a bit about himself. That's Bobby and over course, there. Well, I don't know how you guys see it. So Um, we also obviously (laughs) have on myself, Sen, and Jesse. And uh, anyone who's joining us right now, feel free to comment any questions for Bobby as we go. Or for Mm
2: -hmm. us. (laughs) We have Zach and Eric already on. Sean Jackman already on. So lots of love for Bobby. So Sean (laughs) Jackman. And we are going to talk about... Yeah, we're going to talk about you tonight, Bobby. That's what we're going to do. We are going to talk about you. Let's see what our agenda says. First says, okay, the first is welcome. And the next is, we had Bobby West. Okay, so Bobby, tell us about yourself.
3: Where do you work? Sure, yes. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I work for H- Haba. Uh, I'm from Syracuse. I've been designing games in the industry for, I don't know, eight plus years or more now. Um, I have a degree in computer animation, which is uh, a, a, where my gaming background sort of started and came from, um, and then I kind of transitioned over into the board game space from uh, animation and um, games. I've been uh, designing part-time for maybe five or six years, and my first two published games are coming out this year, one from Stronghold Games, which is Aftershock, and then Folding Space, which we're talking about tonight, from mm-hmm. uh, Maple Games, and they're both co-designed with Alan Moon really just talking about you um yeah so so it sounds like you've been part of the industry
0: for a little while what was the first game project that you had a hand in
3: so the first big project i'd say was a video game uh when i was in school i got to work on a top-down real-time strategy game educational game for nasa Uh, i was one of the lead artists on the game and that was a really fun experience to work with a pretty tight team work with nasa it was a uh simulation about surviving on Mars. Um, so we, we had to figure out how to make a game around all of the uh, elements that you would need to survive on Mars realistically from from their point of view and still make it fun and educational for kids to play because it was aimed at elementary, uh, middle school kids. So it had to be accessible and fun and engaging and educational all at the same time. So that was sort of the big first project I, I think I, I worked on in the games industry.
2: And that's kind of cool because you know we—not we have been to Mars, but we as a human race have sent you know rovers to Mars now. And yes. and did I got Mars did you, a did you, time.
1: What are you talking about? <laughs> I
2: had a student today for her role-playing simulation. She was uh, she wanted to go to the moon all day. It was really weird. Anyway, so Erica wants to go to Mars, but now that we've okay. sent a rover to Mars, um, is anything that you? remember from you know eight years ago when you did that that simulation game is that true is it is it did it come true in in the mars landing
1: (laughs) did you predict the future
3: yes (laughs) it was funny actually we we talked a lot about that rover because that rover was a late addition to the game but it was really fun to be able to send it out and do like you know basic reconnaissance stuff um so that rover was a, a quick like one day we need to get a model in we need to get the gameplay in because they had just announced it back, you know, when we were starting that. A lot of the discussion was about, um, you know, how to build uh, habitat. Uh, we didn't really want to, we didn't go into the terraforming side of it, of actually transforming Mars into um, Earth or have greenery, but we needed to have places for you to sleep, you needed to be able to produce energy, produce food. So all of those systems um, you sort of nested off each other in a nice, like, sim sort of way. Uh, of connecting everything together. So uh, I think a lot of it is still what we talk about. It's basic stuff, solar, having greenhouses. Um, so I, I think most of that stuff is still relevant today. And the Rovers, obviously, were, were fun to play with, um, you know, put, putting in the game when we did.
2: Cool. Very cool. Um, just before we get started on some other questions, I <clears throat> so just want to say hi to Matt, Paquette, Zach Connolly, Corey, Midderman. uh Who else is there? Eric Lawson's here. And, yeah, so we've got... Lots of people watching. So, uh, Bobby, let's like get let's get right into the folding space part uh, because you know that is such a neat idea. Um, yeah. And today we're gonna we're probably gonna deviate into table presence as a subtopic uh, because sure. a lot of people have been talking about you know you need to start thinking about table presence the minute you start designing, <laughs> and uh, some of us more experienced designers are saying, well,
0: may- maybe?
2: maybe. I mean, like- yes.
0: Five minutes after you start designing. Yeah. Um,
2: what What do you think? First of all, let's, let's talk about that in your right in your in your estimate. So, um, because with your background as an animator, obviously, you know, visual presence is a, a big deal. Uh, yeah. Is table presence something that you think about from the get go? Is it something that you you know have a design and say now? How can I make that have some table presence? Take us inside your sure. head, Bobby. What's your process?
3: I think it really depends on the game you're going for. I, I think it's hard to argue that table presence uh, helps anything, right? I mean, if you have a beautiful game on a table and people are attracted to it just based on walking by at a convention or seeing it on a shelf, that's, you know, getting your foot in the door is going to help no matter what. I, I don't know that every game, you know, some of the, the, the uh, games that I've had most fun with this year, last year, like The Mind or something like that, doesn't look that great on a table, but the experience of playing it and the mechanics of it, I think, are really interesting, um, and what brings that through. Um, folding space sort of lent itself to having really nice table presence with the folding boards, with the 3D ships that they're making, um, just the the art that's being done for it. So I think the table presence of that sort of built out from the the core mechanic of that folding infinity board. Um, and that m- mechanism was really a key focus for me and Al. I mean, We really wanted that to shine, and, and you're constantly be referring back to that element in the game, so we wanted to make that, you know, as much of the focus as we could. And and, um, what you were doing on the board always brought you back to that card that you're playing with. Hmm.
1: So did the board sort of inspire the game? Did the board come out of where you were going with the game?
3: Yeah, I think the board, so um, it all started, I have the original here, so it all started with this. This is an Avengers X-Men little promo. Oh my god, I have that! That's hilarious! So I saw. Uh, I'm gonna saw one second.
2: Is, uh, I'm gonna put you solo, because so, now your now your picture's big. So okay. show, let's show the audience what it looks like.
3: Yeah. So Jesse, this, this is a um, this is the beginning of it. So it's an Axis uh, Avengers X-Men card. So I um I walked into my local comic and game store and saw this as the promo for the new. I think it's just a new comic series they were doing. You know, four or five years ago now, and I was just so struck by how fun this is to manipulate. And then they even have, um, on the inside, you know, you can change the characters so there's different characters that you can actually flip over and change the teams of. So I thought, well, you know, I've never seen this before, especially used as a mechanic in the game. Um, So I grabbed a handful of them and went home and just played with them. Played with them, played with them, played with them, trying to figure out what to do. Um, My first early iteration of it was a uh, cooperative um, dexterity uh, chef game. So everybody had one of these with food on it and you had to sort of chop your food up and correctly <laughs> get to the sides you needed to get to. Um, so that was my first attempt at trying to crack this thing. Uh, it was okay. I'm still working on that game, but it didn't really work for this. Um, so when I met Alan uh, and we started to work together, this was one of the first things I brought to him and said, you know, I've, I've been working with this for a couple of years. I, I can't really figure it out. How do we, you know, how do we do something with it? And then we worked for another maybe two or three years to get folding space out of it.
2: Very cool. Very cool. Very um, cool. Let me just—I'm uh, gonna, Jesse. If you don't mind, I'm gonna pop you out for a second. I'm not sure exactly what's gonna happen, uh, but I need to share—I need to share a screen. So let's see what happens when I do I'm this. Hi. <laughs> 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 okay. Let me just see if I can bring this in. So one, or somebody's gonna have to come out. Let's see what's gonna happen here. So I'm gonna—I'm gonna boot Jess just yep, for a second. Yeah. Hold on. Okay. One sec. I I think you'll go back to the lobby. You better go back to the lobby. You don't come back in.
1: (laughs) You should have waiting music. Well, he actually might. Okay,
2: so I'm going to... Here, this is uh, Daryl playing with the the thing. Hopefully, you guys can hear this as well. So uh, this should have... This should have... Oh, there we go. Daryl talking. Even when he's not around, he's around, Daryl. (laughs) He's
1: ever-present. He's always there. Can't hear it, we can see the board. Yeah, the board's moving. <laughs> can you hear him, Sen? Is that why you're laughing? Uh, I can I can
2: totally hear him moaning about how smooth it is.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> so <he's> going <laughs> gonna have to give us a closed caption here. <laughs> he's telling
2: us that on April, April 16th there is going to be a Kickstarter of sorts, and yes. that is what's going to happen. Uh, so and, that, and that's uh,
3: one year after we uh, showed him the prototype. So it's exactly a year to the day when he signed, they signed the game. So oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that <laughs> would be that. Very cool. Jesse's <laughs> back. Jesse's back. So, back. so tell us, what's it been like working with Maple?
3: Yeah, it's been great. I mean, um, every step of the way, they've just, I think, kept upping it with the art that Vincent and Peter are doing. They just showed off the um, mini sculpt for the ship. Uh, the rules, they, the the development they've been doing, and the rules suggestions and playtesting has been awesome. We are you know, basically in constant communication about potential changes and new art, graphics, you know, whatever whatever they're doing. It, it's been great. I think it shows how strong of a team they have for such a young company. I mean, it's only their third uh, third game, so
1: yeah. Oh, I mean, everything so far has looked super high production. So this one too. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm really excited to see the for everybody to see the final you know versions of everything um, and hit all the hit all the extra goals. They, they just showed off the deluxe sleeve. They have this really cool acrylic uh, sleeve that'll slide over the game box, um, and that looks awesome now. So yeah, you can see some of the, of the, uh... of
1: the Do you want to talk about the board a little bit? Kind of like what? Yeah. What so we're seeing?
3: Mm-hmm. so um, there's three uh, main moons in the ring of Saturn. So you're going to be traveling around the board. Uh, uh, clock, counterclockwise um, landing on those planets collecting resources fighting each other in spaceships you can see uh, mock-ups of the spaceships there and there are three spending a number of players there's usually three outer moons so from the uh, inner moons you can pop out and go to the planets and pop back in same thing there's resources uh, bonus upgrades um, map sections that will score your points on those outer moons too so you're constantly moving around the board um, trying to get into battles because if you win a battle you get more resources than if you're just on a planet and plunder yourself. Um, and the game all flows around the never-ending, uh, ever-folding board. So that's sort of an action selection mechanism, how you're getting resources to move, to fight, uh, and to do all sorts of other things with. Cool. cool.
0: Yeah, it sounds really fascinating. Um, one of our uh, viewers made a comment, and I would like, since you're both responsible for this cool game, but also you've got an insider view on the industry. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So Corey Muddyman said, folding space is going to be cool. Um, a ton of games that incorporate Toys' as games in an activity sense are on deck from companies like Blue Orange, and he thinks that we're going to see a shift towards a lot of stuff that looks like this in the future. Do yeah, you think I, that we I, should expect I, that kind of thing? Or
3: That's interesting. Um, I I would say that you haven't seen that recently, but I I do agree that I am seeing more, um, I don't want to use the word gimmick, but yeah, toy sort of aspects coming into the design space. Um, And I think that's maybe because in traditional sort of game design, those things haven't been used. So we're we're looking, and and when I saw the um, Marvel uh, X-Men thing, looking for other interesting things to bring in to incorporate to those maybe more traditional designs because, you know, folding space has area control, has set collection, has basic combat. And those are all sort of fairly traditional game elements or game mechanics then you're adding in the infinity folding board um, and it really changes up the how you uh, pursue those avenues and mechanics. So yeah, I, I think that you're definitely going to see that more. Um, you know, Ice Cool, I think you mentioned Brain Games, that was such a fun, those weeble wobble penguins, uh, around that dexterity mechanic, that was such an interesting use of those things that I, I definitely think that, I, I don't know if you'll see if everybody will be coming out with them, but I, I think there'll mm-hmm. definitely be an uh, increase of those in the coming years.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. So, um, we were talking about Gizmos, I think, I don't know if it was here, it was on the show, but Gizmos, when we played it originally, was just a deck of cards. And then when Eric signed it, um, there's a big push from companies like Simon to have more toyetic factor in their games uh, because they think that this is their theory. And it may be true uh, that the toyetic factor not only draws people to the table who want to touch and play with the thing, because I would probably just sit. I would probably use that, you know, folding space board just as a fidget. Yes. Right. It's really cool to fidget with. Um, but it also, uh, toyetic stuff allows people to play with the stuff and learn the game at the same time because it's just, it's natural how you play with it, right? It's not, there's not some rules based to it. It's like, oh, look, when you flip it this way, it ends up back in the original configuration. There's different stuff on it. Oh, I guess that those are the resources I collect, right? It's just very right. simple and easy. Uh, and so I know that, um, at least a year ago, Simon's, um, sort of motivation for, adding Toyetics was to enhance the ability of players and just even people walking by to get their hands on and learn through their hands on play. Um, mm-hmm. In that regard, Eric Lawson's asking, is there anything from HABA, from the HABA philosophy that you've used in developing folding space? Uh, because we talked about stable presence, but is there anything more from HABA? Because if you're talking about toyetic stuff and gaming, yes. HABA sort of has always had okay. those factors in
3: tactile chunkiness mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if there's anything directly from haba that's been incorporated in a folding space but certainly over the years of working there the you know going back to your table presence i mean you know a haba game based on the uh interesting components the wooded the the chunkiness of it the tactile feel like you said so those things have certainly been absorbed into my um design just because i see how successful they are for haba um you know, a game like Dragon Tower, which came out last year, that has a mechanical wind-up uh, dragon that's pulling a rock while you're de- real-time dexterity trying to move a princess down the tower. I mean, that just is awesome to look at, and, and so it feels so good when you're playing it. Um, mm-hmm. So I've definitely taken inspiration from how they decide to do components and, and, and table presence of those things into a game like Folding Space, certainly. And going to your your uh, back to the Simon toy um, thing. We, we tried really hard to to not just make it feel like a toy. The problem we were having early on is that we didn't think you were using it enough or, or you were always come you know we weren't, weren't coming back to it in, in a satisfying way. I think that's why it took so long to get it to final development where it is now. because um, I, I hate in games that just have some sort of toy aspect of them where, where it's it could just be a deck of cards. it could just be a die, it could just be something else. Um, I just don't think that ne- that necessarily adds anything to the game. It just makes like another hurdle sometimes to, well, I have to go do this, or I have to, you know, shake this thing to make a thing happen, or I could have just drawn a card. So we really wanted when you were folding the board and, and manipulating it, it to mean something. And and every board's different, so you can't um,
1: can't memorize
3: any one board. You're always passing them, so it always feels fresh and new. of like, I gotta quickly find the side I want, we we certainly took time to you know make sure that. It was a yeah. substantial part of everything.
0: I was actually mm-hmm. wondering about that. One of my, the technical questions I had is, um, if you don't mind opening the layer cake a bit, um, sure. one would, the, the sort of lead into this was, how many different configurations are there with one of those boards?
3: Yeah, so um, there, there's going to be either five or six in the game, so each board um, is different. There are, uh, I, I wish I had the chart in front of me, I think there are 12 unique fold options, side options for it, and some of those um, on the square board, some of those aren't four across, And so normally the, the square folding board is four, four by four, but in the X, uh, in the plus side, you're missing um, four spaces, so that kind of changes up the, the permutation there. So each board has the same number of um, resources on them for every for all of the, the resources in the game, but then each board is randomized with some balance tweaking for making sure there's not one side that has you know, 15 cannons on it. Um, so that way every board side and every board pass is going to be different. So when you get yeah. your board back, maybe you'll know the board that uh, you know, Erica just gave me had a side with three cannons or three Jolly Rogers. So I, maybe I want to try to find that side, but if I don't really want those resources, then you know, th- that push and pull yeah. of what I want versus what I can get uh, I think is interesting.
2: Right. I, then, I want 15 cannons though Yes. Yeah. that is not a custom, side
3: you'll find <laughs> i'm going to
2: have a custom board made that's all cannons all cannons we
1: sure. will do nothing else
0: <laughs> so so you, then, then, then it, <laughs> taking another step into the designing weeds uh on this question you said there's um going to be four or five boards um mm-hmm. and they're you said you said they're randomized but well with some with some some massaging yep. um So can you tell us a bit about that massaging and sort of how you thought about making the boards different but balanced? Are they balanced in a sense or did you make them more like transitive dice, where they sort of beat each other up in a circle?
3: Sure, yeah. So they they all contain, each each full board contains the same number of resources of every type amongst all the boards. So there's going to be, you know, five cannons, five swords, whatever it is on every single board. We did have a a chart where we we, uh, mapped every side out early on and labeled each individual square to count and make sure those were all fine. But in playtesting, it it kind of didn't seem to be worth it to map every board specifically. Randomizing it to an extent on each uh, each complete board seemed to make more sense, and then checking the board to make sure that there was no uh, overpowered side um, was... At the end the way we ended up going with early early iterations of it, each side was completely mapped off and we made sure there was, you know, you could get to a side that had three uh one movements and two Jolly Rogers, but you know, it it because the moons also dictate your combat and cards that you need, that really is it is it too terrible to have a four cannon side when maybe the planet you're on really wants pistols or you can't even get to that planet. So I, I don't we, we found that it wasn't um as crucial to make sure that every side of every board was equally balanced across, but every card is balanced in in aggregate. If that makes Yay! sense. Yay! Yeah,
0: really,
2: totally me makes sense. Makes so
3: happy. That is, I am very <laughs> started that way and didn't. Finish that yeah, no, that's yeah. great
2: um, because yeah, it was uh, a, it
3: was a real pain early on to to individually map every square and count. Okay, this side I and have three. Okay, you have three. And it's pointless. <laughs> it was it. Ended up being like, "Why are we doing this? Just give each one the same number, throw them on, make sure there's no like super overpowered side, and let's move on."
2: Right. How does it I feel? That's funny. It's good. It feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one day we'll have a we'll get Niles on and we'll do some math um, about odds and about balance. Well, yeah, because uh, I mean, we've come to the realization, Jesse and I, designing a bunch of games together, that balance is a a perception and it's a fallacy and it's not really necessary to have a good experience people think it is and people i think mistake what balance actually is they they assume it's mathematically balanced so everything is uh and it's it's really it's really not
3: yeah and like i I said there's so many facets of of the planets that you're going to the combat that you could potentially have somebody else moving to the planet or not that you know, really if I get one extra, potentially this card gives me one extra pistol every round, or one extra two movement every round, in, in the long term is that going to really matter or deter from the fun that you're having with playing with the card? Probably not.
2: So, did, for this one, I, I guess Mechanic came first then, right? Because you were yeah, working I mean, with like, the folding boards already.
3: Right, like I said, we really were trying to uh, figure out how to make the board central. Um, mm-hmm. And we were doing things like uh, using them for movement. Potentially, we had early on. I uh, don't think I have one around. We had frames that you'd put over it. So only the symbols on the frames um, that showed through were symbols that you're getting. So we really wanted to make it as much of the focus of the game as we could um, okay. develop. So when when we um, showed the game to Daryl, it was a pirate theme, not a space pirate theme. So you were using them as sort of a, a map to get your movement, to get your combat cards. Um, then you would do your movement and resolve your movement on the islands you were on and then come back to your board. So and, we really wanted to keep it, constantly...
2: How did it become a space pirate game? Is it because of the folding space part of it?
3: Yeah, so um, it was going to be... I think it, when, when Maple took it, it was going to be Pirates Fold is the name they pitched because you were folding the thing. Um, and, and then they at, at, we were talked about adding a space theme to it with Space Pirates because you were folding the space, and that's where folding the folding space name came from. And then once we saw some of Vincent's art, I think everything just kind of fell into place with the space pirates theme where you're, you're traveling around, um, you know, Saturn traveling around the moon. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It was so it because of the Tide Pirates and the and the, the <laughs> well,
1: I was going to say, I, I think it, in some ways <laughs> it's a good choice just because there are a lot of pirate games. Correct. And to be fair, yeah. some have done well and some have really haven't. So yeah. you never know what that space. People don't know what to expect when they see pirate anymore, but you give them something that's a variant on pirate yes. and you might yeah. be okay. Yeah, yeah I cool. agree. So tell us about
2: this game. Tell us about Aftershock. What's going on with that?
3: Sure. So Aftershock uh, is an area control um, auction resource management game. So you have a hand of cards. You can buy any number of cards from your hand that you can afford. All the rest of the cards go up in front of you for sale. And then you go in turn order buying cards from other people. Um, the one interesting part of the um auction, buying phases, it's it's a closed-loop economy. So if I buy something from Erica, she's getting the money. So I may really want that card, but she's also going to get that $5, which could let her buy something else that's helpful for her. So when to buy what, uh, who do you give your money to, uh, I think is really interesting decision points happen there. After all the cards are bought, you uh, place your guys into the area. Uh, Aftershocks could trigger, which would cause guys to move out of the areas. Um, You score, and it's really quick play three rounds, whoever has the most points after three rounds, so um, in any one area, like Oakland, for instance, whoever has the most uh, population in Oakland would score some number of points, second and third would score points, and you just score every area that people were in. The scoring mechanism, though, is hidden, so everybody has a board of all the areas, and you get, depending on number of players, a certain number of cubes, so three or four cubes. Uh, You'll hide uh, behind your player screen, place your cubes into those areas, and then everybody reveals, so... At least two people need to have placed a cube in an area for that area to score, um, and I think that's a pretty interesting scoring mechanic as well. So it comes in a lot of bluffing of, you know, oh, you should. I'll also put my cube in Oakland. We'll definitely score Oakland. Oh, okay. And then I've put my cube somewhere else. Nobody scored Oakland. So even if you're winning majority in Oakland, you need to convince other people to also score your area. So I think that's a, a pretty cool. It's a little heavier than folding space. Probably plays in 45 minutes to an hour, depending on player count. Uh, plays up to uh, five players as well. Um, double-sided board, so there's the San Francisco Bay side and then the Venice side, which is for a
1: lower player count. Cool. Very cool. Uh, there's, I think, a few questions that have been coming up in... There is yeah,
0: there is one question in the chat.
1: Um, oh, and then I guess some comments. Yeah, lots of uh, comments. Uh, <laughs> on uh, some of the things we were talking about. Uh, so uh, do we want to... Do we want to jump into yeah. the question, or do you want to keep talking about Aftershock for a little bit more?
0: Whatever
1: you guys want. Okay. I yeah. uh, can just so, go back and forth. Brad, yeah. Brad, Brad Bachelor is asking, he says, hey, Bobby, uh, how did you and Alan Moon start working together? What is the origin story of that collaboration?
3: Sure. Um, so the, the first time we met, I don't know if he remembers this. I was working at uh, the local game store here, and he came in to buy a game, and, I had heard that he lived in the area. We both live in, in Syracuse. Um, and I didn't, didn't know what he was, didn't know what he looked like. But he came up to the counter and handed me his card. And I just happened to see that it said Alan Moon on the card. And I was like, are you are You the ticket to ride Alan Moon? And he said, yes. We chatted for a minute. And then I probably didn't see him again for um, another, another year or so. Uh, I got invited to a game group that plays. He's part of the game group. So <clears throat> I probably didn't interact with him or talk to him for the first few times I went there. But then I became a regular. We became friends. Um, we both have a fairly similar, I think, aesthetic as to what we like in a game. Um, I was working on stuff. He was nice enough to indulge me in talking about how he got into the industry, how I could get into the industry, how I could show games to people. I, this was just before I started working at Habba. Um And then he asked one day when we were talking if I wanted to work on some projects with him. And I, of course, said yes. And that was maybe four and a half years ago, four years ago. And we've been working together, you know, almost nonstop ever since. So I usually work at Haba from nine to five or so, um, during the week. I drive to his office and we work from like six to ten most weekdays and then I'm I'm at the office most weekends working with him too.
0: Cool. Wow.
1: So That's what
3: awesome.
0: is your <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so so on this topic, um, what does your co-design process look like? Do you guys have distinct responsibilities that you sort of skill sets or things that you <laughs> lean into or,
2: you know? So, how, what sorry, are, sorry, sorry. You just got to work stop. together. You got to stop for a second. Uh, Janet, which is, it's not Janet. Uh, it's Alan. Yep. It's Alan, Janet's account. It's,
1: it's, Bobby it's Alan best. in Janet's form.
2: And then <laughs>
3: <laughs> he said,
2: this is Alan. I don't remember that. He's probably making it up.
3: No, he I am not. He came into the store and bought something from me. I remember.
1: Maybe maybe he doesn't remember you from that. Maybe he remembers you from the game that that's, you said.
3: Maybe. Uh, yes. That, that's not right. true. But he definitely Little definitely did he know before. it
1: went deeper than that.
3: <laughs> yes. yes. All right, back
2: to Jesse's question.
3: Yeah, um no, I don't think we neither of us have, you know, distinct responsibilities. We both like we both bring project ideas. Like I said I shouldn't be folding cards before. Um, we talk about prototypes that we have or have had in the past. Um, one of us just has an idea and we shoot an email off at the middle of the night and talk about it the next day um, i I do uh, we we both work in illustrators, so we kind of split that up where we need to or if I'm working from home, I can work on a map or cards and he can do that on his end as well and we come back together so it, it flows back and forth pretty good. I don't think you know we have a clear distinction of responsibilities on either end. Cool.
2: nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, what else do we want to know about folding space and Bobby West and all that (laughs) kind of stuff? Uh, So uh, people in the feed, if there are questions for Mr. West, please do ask them. We've got about 30 minutes left and we're going to cover a bunch of other stuff uh, before we sign off. But definitely, if you have more questions for Bobby West, that'd be great. Um, Bobby, what's your what's your Braille game to design?
3: Hmm. We, we've talked, me, Alan and I have talked a lot recently about The Mind. I know I brought it up earlier. Um, we, we both independently last year played it at The Gathering and then came back together and was like, did you play this game? And the, the experience of it was so interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Something
3: like that, I think, that, that it, you know, it. I know it's a controversial. Is it a game? Is it an activity? I don't like the game. So on and so forth can, can have Just that nausea let people that
1: play.
3: Yes, exactly. I, I'm, I'm on the board 100% with it. Um, but... Uh, the experience that that's created and I think the, the, like, instant, like, you know, people perk up when they hear it because they have an opinion on one side or the other and how it's great. I would love to make some an experience like that, especially mm-hmm. that simple. I think um, when I was talking about our design aesthetics and game aesthetics, we both like really simple and clever mechanics that, you know, you don't need 15 steps to get to do something. It's just, re- yeah, I'm doing this, but it's, it's such an interesting decision point and a simple decision point. I think the mind sort of exemplified that last year for us. Of You're basically just counting to 100 without talking. Um, and that doesn't sound that interesting, but when you're playing it no. and you're engaged in it, I think it's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that type of a game, or that type of experience, at least, I think is something I would love to try and figure out.
2: Right. Uh, Eric Slauson asks, uh, what's your favorite con, Bobby? So do you get to go to a lot of cons with Haba? I mean, I see you at some, but...
3: Yeah, um, I probably travel, Haba goes to a a lot of different things, especially over in um, Europe, which I don't get to go to any of those, but I probably get to go to four or five cons a year, you know, Gen Con, Origins, Dice Tower, Packs Unplugged, uh, The Gathering, and and the end of this week here. Um, The the Gathering's definitely an awesome convention, because it sort of feels, doesn't feel like anything else um, that there is, it's very relaxed, but all this industry stuff is happening, and all the new games for the year coming out. Uh, I was also really impressed with PAX Unplugged the last two years. That mm-hmm. felt like a, a mini sort of Gen Con, but, you know, it didn't feel as crowded. Um, but the attendance was, you know, more than Origins, and, and I, I that that's becoming a quick favorite as well. I'm really excited like to, to see what next they do year. with that. Yeah, it was. it's been a great last two years. I think they're doing a really good job with it.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think it, it'll, it'll be a little later this year, unfortunately. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, yes. depending on, on for Eric and I, because we're teachers, it, it, it's, always it's problematic. Fun. It's always a problem. In <laughs> essence, yeah. a problem. I, I was us.
1: lucky to get permission to, like, get Friday and Monday off to go to gatherings. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so oh. I
3: think those those two would be my, my top two, the gathering and uh, PAX Unplugged right now. And I'm, yeah. I, like I said, I'm really excited to see what PAX Unplugged does, because I think it'll be bigger than, oh, my camera fell. I think it'll be bigger <laughs> than um, Gen Con in a couple of years. And I think that's an interesting, going to be an interesting experience. if Yeah, gets, I mean, the it's the such a
2: draw, Penny Arcade. So it's, it's, for, for year one,
3: yeah, for year one to be over Origins by, you know, I think it was 4,000, that's crazy for a first, first year game convention. So,
2: mm-hmm. and I mean, well, and the, the city that they're in is a, is a good town for conventions as well. So absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a nice place.
2: It's, it's um, Unfortunately, time for me, but that's yeah. cool. I will eventually get there. Eventually get there
1: someday. Where is PAX Unplugged exactly? Philadelphia. 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 Yeah. So that's not too bad, is it? No, it's
2: not. It's not a part. It's like an eight-hour drive for us.
1: Right.
2: Well, it's, it's a nine-hour.
1: Nine, nine or
2: ten-hour drive for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, we, we have another question.
2: Off. We have another question. Oh, and Eric Lawson saying that uh, PAX Unplugged is fantastic for gateway games. Um, Absolutely. Which is oh, a good thing, I think, and that's what it's kind of all about. It's like there's a crowd at the first year when Pax and Plug was um, scheduled at the same time as BGG Con. Yeah. Neither of those places suffered. Neither of them suffered because they're they're a distinctly different audience. Even though it's surrounded by the same product in general, uh, it skews yeah. more towards new gamers at Pax Unplugged and Plug and uh, more core gaming at BGG and so it's just it's interesting that there's enough to do that I mean there's this one weekend in August um, so usually it's like the Labor Day weekend in August there are three or four or maybe even five major conventions going on there's enough yeah there's enough
3: geeks out there
2: to go to all these mm-hmm. things it's it's quite interesting uh well, as, as the other culture thing grows. with
3: with PAX I was impressed with is their first look area because they're coming off um Essen they, the last two years, they've had all of the high, hottest games coming out of Essen and, and the other conventions. So I, I think you're doing a good job in both categories of getting uh, the gateway gamers and, and the new gamers that haven't maybe been to a gaming convention and still having all of the hot first look stuff that's yeah, just as long out. as
2: people know that they're there and they send yes. a meal over like Daniel Andrews, then it's
3: okay.
2: Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, here we have a question. Uh, this one's from Bad Bachelor. Brad asks, did either game, Aftershock or Folding Space, start with a different theme or drastically diverge mechanically, or is there a pretty clear uh, through line from Origins to now? So, uh, we, we talked about Folding us. Space already, right? But um, Yeah, let's talk so Folding
3: Space had a pirate, a pirate theme, um, but mechanically it was pretty similar from from what we have now. Um, Aftershock was, I, I would say, similar. We, we really liked the scoring mechanic of secret um, area control scoring. So having that um, little bit of bluffing or decision point of, you know, do I really want to give you the points? Do I want to get second place points? How does that going to work out in the long term? Finding something to fit around that. Similarly with the uh, closed loop economy and, and purchasing of the cards. So we knew we wanted areas and then we knew we wanted um, to somehow displace people from those areas. As a mechanic, so I I think the um, the the earthquake theme came in early into that design process, and we kind of ran with it um, as along to to continue to build the mechanics off of it.
2: Wow, we have Brad twice, cool. (laughs) Um, And in terms of future games that we may see from you, what what are you shopping around lately, or what do you think?
3: Or is there something? Yeah. Or is there and something
1: fine, the but you can't tell us like when it's coming yet, but you know it's coming. Yeah, th-
3: so there's there's potentially two others this year that I can't really talk about yet, both co-designs with Alan. Um, one's been with a publisher for a little while now, and we're going to see uh, a copy of it at um, The Gathering. So I, I think that's a good sign. One's a new, a new game um, that has the potential to come out this year. We're bringing uh, four games, I think, to The Gathering to play test and, and, and shop and show. You know, those range from party games to, um, uh, uh, I don't want to give away too many mechanics here, um, to uh, a little bit heavier game or in the Aftershock realm of um, a party style of moving on different board tracks based on uh, majorities that you have. So, again, our aesthetic, I think, together is simple designs with interesting choices. So we're not making heavy Euros. We're not making... You know, two-hour-long experiences, but we want a really clever hook that maybe is different or used in a different way, with an interesting theme and then supporting mechanics around those things.
0: Fun, fun. Cool. cool. We have a question. Um, we haven't. Yeah, I was going to say. Um,
2: right, go ahead. Read it out. Oh, it's covering the great. whole
0: screen. It's huge. <laughs> That's cool. It's Big question. Big question coming in. Corey Moneyman's asking, what do you think about the future of the method that designers use to pitch to companies and publishers um, such as HABA, but also in general? He yeah. asks because, there's a big question. The HABA yearly contest is a sort of make this for us and we'll pick a winner model, but because yes. of the expansion of the industry in recent years, do you think there might need to be uh, more mid-level professionals acting as scouts or agents?
3: Potentially, uh, one of the things. So I, I created the design contest uh, two years ago. You know, as something, as I wanted to give exactly what you're saying, give new designers and just families a, a potential way to make something with the Haba um, stuff. So if you don't, if you don't know the design contest, you buy a kit from Haba. The kit's just filled with random wooden bits and and cards and boards from old Haba games, and you know you're you're given. About a month to two months to design something and send it back using those pieces that you get um, so the the thought behind that was to have a potential activity for families kids non-designers professional designers alike as a way to show something to haba where they, they might not have otherwise um, and that's been i think really fun because we get total the total range of professional designers that have published games to uh the first year we had a an eight-year-old kid in the in the top 10 that's that's never made a game before worked on with with his dad we constantly get letters from families saying it's such a fun thing they look forward to it every year um so that contest was was definitely a way to try to reach both of those markets as like okay we we clearly can't look at all the games that are coming out so this you know once a year this window you get to send us something we we'll, we'll, we look at everything. I, I look at every game that comes in. We at least play a few turns of every game that comes in to see if it's something that fits for us. And then we pick, you know, if we like it and don't, then go back and play full rounds of the games. Um, it, it's usually two to three hundred games to go through, so we, we give each game as much time as we can, uh, keeping in mind that we do have deadlines that we have to pick winners on. Um I do think more mid-level scouting is, is a good thing. I mean, I've, I've been kind of spoiled in that sense with co-designing with Alan because everybody's going to want to look at a game from Alan, so in that sense I haven't had to uh, want for meetings, um, but that's certainly not the experience of most designers and, and um, most new designers anyway, so stuff like the contest, um, stuff like open unpubs or protospiels I think are, are great for people to go to and uh, and, and get those meetings get that experience the first time i pitched a game um was to evan derrick from Banrider and the game broke halfway through we were, we were pitching it we just got caught in a loop of uh it's not working and us not being able to resolve the issue and i was just you know super me and eric uh, me and evan have become um great good friends now but i was just embarrassed but uh is this how pitching goes like this is terrible my game broke he We couldn't fix it Uh, so but that happens and having those experiences pretty normal so yeah Yeah. but but if you (laughs) you have at least once (laughs) yes exactly but having more opportunity to have those experiences i think is good so stuff like Mm -hmm. the game design contest where we can give feedback or unpubbed spiels, any other mid-level meetings that maybe are as high pressures you know meeting with uh, the the company as a whole and pitching at toy fair or something like that I, i think all any of those more of those experiences is good for the industry and good for designers
1: I need to give a quick shout out to you and Hava right here too, because you gave me a bunch of leftover bits from one of the contests that all my students are actually super excited to use because our game unit usually comes up around May, June, when we have to start like probability and things like that. Uh, I always let them design a game. And so they are so excited to jump into that box soon.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. One of the the initiatives we're looking at this year is to have um, uh, like a, a classroom kit that libraries schools oh that'd be amazing with a basic structure of okay here's the you know real basics of what you need to have with a game you need to have like a, a an end condition of a goal which could be points mm-hmm. or turns or whatever it is and basic structure. so that's something that we've been working on for a little while now hopefully to have have that done by sometime this year to start rolling it out for teachers and educators mm-hmm. to be able to get awesome uh,
2: yeah build that culture of creativity i think that's awesome absolutely <clears throat> so um what can we expect to see from you at the gathering? Uh, so Daryl will probably have Folding Space, right? uh, yep. uh Steven will probably have AfterShock. Right? Yep. So it's, I, those those will both be,
3: Yeah, those will both be playable. I think Daryl is going to have the most recent, um, up-to-date copy, because it's, it's going to launch at the gathering. So right. I think all yeah, of the stretch steep. goals. Yep. I think all of the stretch goal stuff. I know they just showed off the three D ships that they had modeled. I think everything will be there to see and play and touch, so we can um, show everybody that's there. We can stream um, stuff of that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a full production copy of Aftershock there. If not, it'll be a pre-production copy. I'm not sure where that's in uh, fitting cool. in, in the pipeline yet, um, but they will both be there to play in some form.
2: Okay, I'm a big fan of uh, area control, as you know, so we'll probably yes. try that one out. Um, I'd, I'd
3: be happy to teach it, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, and then um, what else are you going to be showing around? That you know, that you know, don't spill too much. But what, what, what can I try of yours when I'm there?
1: <laughs> sure. And <laughs> wants um, to get like, in
2: early. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah I'm only the, up for two
2: weekends. I've got to get my gaming in.
3: The the two big ones that I'm excited about. Uh, there's three, but but the the two, one's a word party game. So it's okay. using a really interesting card removal mechanic that we've sort of been. Working on for a while, and I think we have uh, have that nailed down to some extent. And then I'll, I'll tease the other one a bit. There's one that we're going to be showing that will potentially use your phone, and I think mm-hmm. an interesting and unique way that I neither I or Alan, when we came up with the idea, um, have seen before. So does uh, Alan even have be- a cell phone? <laughs> it, it's a rotary dial, but you know it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very it's, yeah.
0: Nice. There's no camera. It's going to require it. the phones <laughs> going to
3: have to come up the <laughs>
2: Oh, Elena, Cape- Elena Capella is asking you to spill more info because I'm sure she'll be interested in taking a look at this
3: stuff. Tell her yeah, wait. I don't want I don't want to say too much. We, we, we like to keep keep the new games pretty close to the to the uh, vest until we yeah. start showing them, and then we can talk about them. But no, she'll uh, she'll
2: she'll probably want to sign something. I think, so. <laughs> exactly.
3: Go, so go, we're go. taking
2: meetings, so. I was gonna say oh. I think she's looking. Yeah the, uh, the the comment that you had earlier about the the time that you were with Evan and and stuff just fell apart. Um, I, I think one of the biggest things as a designer to get over is that is that critical moment mm-hmm. of failure in front of somebody who you're trying to impress, which is usually a yeah. you know, testers or a publisher or somebody, right, or another mm-hmm. designer, um, and showing the grit and the resilience to get through that with a with humor and with your dignity intact. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like that's the that's your baptism, right? That's the baptism by yeah. fire. In game design world, uh, I think that's just going to have to happen uh, to everybody.
3: Yeah, and for it being the first, so this was a a couple gatherings ago. I I didn't know him. I only knew Van Ryder through Hostage Negotiator when I think that had just come out or was coming Mm -hmm. out. Um, So it was the first time I was showing anything to anybody by myself, um, you know, and we, we still joke about it to this day every time I see him. when and we're like, oh, I've got a new game to show you. He's like, Is it, does it work? And so yeah. we always joke about it back and forth.
2: I think, I think everybody, has, everybody has a running joke with Evan. I have promised to play Detective City of Angels for five years, and I've never played it. <laughs>
3: it's a great game. I, oh, I know. I, I trust
2: everybody. I think it's going to be great. I, I have it on order. I think it's coming in the mail soon. But uh, I make a point of promising to play it every year and never playing it. Oh, wait, wait, all
1: wait. your dirt.
2: Alan says Bobby tell them how you cried during our first presentation last year. Okay, How did you cry?
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't, oh, don't think that happened at all. Here. I think he's uh, making that up.
1: <laughs> is this like the made-up uh, story of how you met?
3: Exactly, yes. This is funny. When Alan controls you live,
2: this is good. <laughs>
3: I, I will say that when we showed um, folding space to Daryl and I think Jessica Davis were, were the two that we showed it to at the time, mm-hmm. we couldn't get them to put down the boards to explain the game. They just kept playing with the boards and, playing. and we're like, we, we took them away from them because we wanted to show the game and they're just folding this board over and over and over and over again. And it, it, that was a little bit frustrating initially. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, it's it's really fascinating. How are you dealing with Kickstarter? Like, are you are you liking your stuff on Kickstarter? Do you not like it?
3: Yeah, it's been interesting. So Aftershock and, and Folding Space will be my first two Kickstarters and, and Alan's. Um, certainly oh, different perspective true. from the side uh, of, of the designer or the team making it than just the, the consumer of it. I've, I've backed a lot of Kickstarters, as I'm sure we all have. Um, it, it's both good and bad. I mean, you you it can go really well, but there's so many voices to try to uh, cater to, that knowing who who to listen to, if at all, uh, what suggestions are good. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been mixed, I would say, so far. I, I'm excited for folding space um, uh, to see how that goes. But it, I think it's been a mixed uh, re- mixed reaction for, for both of us so far. It's been it's really exciting. I mean, every day, refreshing the page, seeing what people are saying, making changes, editing. I think building the game around, you know, in pseudo real time, with the community of, of what they want and what they want to see, solo rules, cooperative rules. I think that's all very interesting and, and fun, but it can be frustrating when you know a few people are yelling about something over and over again.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually, the ones that yell the loudest aren't necessarily talking for the majority. So, I, but I mean, you see them the fair. most. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. It's hard to ignore them usually. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it is hard to ignore them. <clears throat> I, I do have another question. Uh, uh, this is more of a, a personal question. So. Um, what are your thoughts on Syracuse as a town, as a city, as a place to live? <laughs> Should
3: that's we be interested in
2: it? well, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the backstory. Uh, my my niece is being scouted by the orange, by the. Well, I also need to know what is the name of the of the of the women's <laughs> basketball team. Uh,
3: right just just the orange. So it used to be the orange men and orange women. Yes, that's
2: what um, I. So it's now just the orange.
3: Yeah, I mean. Uh, Locally, Orange Men, Orange Women, still both fine to say. But yes, the sure. team is just... The Syracuse Orange. It's just the Orange. Okay,
2: because she's been
3: scouted by them, so... Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it. I think it's just big enough to have enough stuff to do uh, to stay interesting. You know, concerts, uh, shows, events, conventions. It's, you know, four hours away from New York City. It's only a few hours away from Canada. So you're essentially located to a lot of interesting stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Winter... Maybe not as much fun, but, you know, the the flip side of that... She's Canadian, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, then that's fine. The, because I was going to say, the flip side, we don't have earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, so we just have a lot of snow. I mean, Syracuse is generally, uh, I think it's called the golden uh, snowflake. We usually get the most accumulated snowfall over um, a winter. We usually win that every year for the region. Wow. So. Um, so that's that's a good maybe the only big downside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a good thing, but yeah, you know, we
1: have it. <laughs> that's
2: funny. Um, so it's yeah, funny. Just, like it. Last week we had somebody from Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. This week we have somebody from Syracuse. Next week we have to make sure it's somebody from uh, like Los Angeles, because those are the three schools she's <laughs> being scouted by. I mean, obviously,
3: uh, I think she should come to Syracuse, so we can have you know have her yeah, here for go. good good sports week. I, I go to most of the basketball mm-hmm. and lacrosse games here.
1: It's a oh, great really? city.
3: Yeah, we yeah, have yeah, we have yeah. season tickets uh for basketball wow. since before I was born. So it's a great sports city. Um, you know, the the Mets just bought the uh, local minor league team here, so we have the, okay. the New York You'll Mets up here now.
0: That's
2: good, pretty good The crunch
3: here is good, which I'm sure you would all would appreciate. Yeah. So yeah, it's a yeah, good And She's city. from
2: Kingston, Ontario, which is not too far from where you guys are. Okay. It's a,
3: yeah. It's like, so it's getting nut getting nut no. to and back yeah. wouldn't be bad either.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm all for it on circus.
2: Yeah,
1: for yeah. me, no, Wait, well, closer than L.A. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, have
2: to, I have to say I think L.A. is the last on the list. Uh, but um, so my brother-in-law was a uh, volleyball player, in, like a nationally ranked volleyball player, and he's like, you know, Nebraska might actually treat you well. Um, not saying that Syracuse was wouldn't, sure. but Nebraska has got that kind of small feel to it. Yep. Even though Lincoln's not a small place and, and the Cornhuskers are like a, a national force. But Absolutely. Um, anyway, so it's just really funny that, oh, yeah, you're from Syracuse. I can just, you're just you. are just like, I just
1: need one more yeah, guest to, to get you. all my questions out. Yes,
2: That's right. Right? Cool. Loud. Okay, so better, back to games. Back to
0: games. <laughs> back to um, games. I think, I think we should, uh, we should get in our, our typical question before we run ourselves out of time.
2: Yeah. So we're going to ask you a question. Um, we're going to ask the audience a question first. um, And then we'll ask you a question. And then I think Jesse and um, I and Erica have something to to show the audience as well. So the first question is to the audience. So a bunch of us are going to be at the gathering, including Bobby, actually, which is great. Um, And we'd like to know, are there any questions you would like us to ask some of the designers that show up at the gathering? So um, the the gathering... Yeah, or Publishers. The Gathering is a great place for that kind of thing. Um, You know, obviously Alan will be there. So Alan Moon will be there. Bobby West will be there. Uh, But then other people who you may not see that often, like Freedom and Grace will be there, probably. He's usually not not there. Uh, uh, Jorin uh, from um, Splatter. Um, Who else? Uh, Vladis, typically there in some shape or form. You know, so lots and lots of of really great designers from and uh, William Adia of uh, Kayla's fame' <laughs> lots of people that we don't normally get on the show because of the time shift uh, but yeah. we can get them now because we're gonna be at the gathering uh, for you know be
1: our time zone guys <laughs> yeah four or
2: five days so we can either do it live or we'll record and stream later we'll record and like hack it all together into a montage a training montage or oh, we can do a training montage. <laughs> So, yeah, if you have any questions for the gathering of friends, attendees, designers, and publishers, lots of publishers there, um, we will collect that from you guys on the Shop Talk page or the to page. That's cool. Uh, the second thing is the question for you, Bobby. Jesse, do you want to ask the question?
0: Yeah. Um, so, last question we ask all of our guests. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to game designers, What piece of advice would you give them?
3: So I would say, especially something learning from um, working with Alan, don't hold anything too precious in the design. If it's not working, it's not accomplishing whatever the goal of the game or your design is supposed to be, cut it. No matter if it's been there from the beginning, uh, the middle, the end, new, old, get rid of it. See what happens when it's not there. I I know I'm not the first person to say that, but I think um, that's something I've definitely instilled working with Alan and and on that same line, I think simple is, is usually better. If it if it's too complicated, if you can do it in less steps, do it in less steps. I think that'll make the design as a whole, in my opinion, better, easier to teach, more streamlined to play. Uh, so those would be the two big points I would have.
2: Excellent, excellent, excellent. So how can people how can people get a hold of you if they want to talk folding space or aftershock?
3: Sure. Um, I'm Voig, V-O-I-G-G, on most social medias, Board game geek, uh, Bobby on Facebook. My website is, I'm in the middle of redoing it, which I had everything new and get the game design space and sort of figured out how to merge that with my computer animation stuff. But the website's Dare Greater Games, all, all one word, dot com. So that'll be up. You'll probably get a 404 error at the moment, but that will be <laughs> up in a... In a little bit, um, with new graphics and uh, new page layouts to show the computer animation game side of it and the board game side of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Twitter, you know, find me on Twitter in most places online.
2: You're, vo- you're Voig on Twitter as well. V yep. O yep. I G G. Correct.
3: I got to make Wait, sure I'm you? following you too. <laughs> yeah, what does that mean, Voig? No, nothing really. It was a uh, way back in the day, a character that was created that I created for a um, game that never got made, a, a video game. I just love the the sound of it and like the mm-hmm. name. It's you know made up word. It doesn't mean anything to to my knowledge. Not, nothing that I can <laughs> find. So I and it it's in in the game space. That was my uh, gamer tag for Xbox and, and all the gaming platforms. Yeah. So you, you want to in my opinion you want a unique, easy to spell, one word thing, and and that's just sort of stuck uh, since then. So I mean, probably since I was like twelve or thirteen.
2: Cool, and are we are we gonna see Voig as a character in some upcoming game, maybe?
3: <laughs> maybe you never know. I haven't vi- revisited that uh, that design and those characters, but you, you never know what to come back it's up. Voig uh, yeah, cool. It's a cameo and everything. Um, yeah, yeah, you, yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Well, you should just you put
1: yourself. You put yourself yeah, in everything, like Stanley did. It'll be great. Yeah. It's interesting.
3: My. Uh, I, we just saw the deluxe cover for Folding Space, and uh, my dog is on the cover, and Alan's dog is in the game. So maybe our dogs will become our, our running thing. They'll be in every yeah, game that we design. That'd be awesome. so, yeah. Yeah, nice. he's, he's really cool looking. He's got a space helmet on and a space suit and glowing blue eyes. It's really cool. That's nice.
2: Excellent. So we have a couple last-minute pieces of, of show-and-tell for you. The first is from the aforementioned Daryl Andrews and also Erica
1: Hayes. VR-ish. Yes, we finally uh, get so, to talk about this one. Yeah. Uh like this one three Kadama 3D is coming mm. to Kickstarter at the end of April. Uh it's a game that Daryl and I co-designed, mm. and then Daniel Solace rolled into the Kadama world. And you will actually be physically building 3D trees. Wow, <laughs> and you'll awesome. have little you'll have little tree spirits that are going different things and yeah. Cool. So, anyway, that's coming to Kickstarter at the end of April. I, we finally get to actually say it exists.
0: <laughs> it's a thrilling cool. moment. Yeah, yes, it is.
1: And, and we want and, to talk and about and, and Jesse. Sure, are doing but really well I doing really well. Before
2: I do that, you, you, have, you have to tell us what was the original theme of my so, game. Yes, yeah,
1: talking about retheming games. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. The tree game used to be a decorator <laughs> crab game. You were <laughs> mama crabs. It's true. You were mama crabs is. running around. Sorry, mama crabs, and you have little baby crabs running around the board collecting pretty pieces of coral, and you're doing set collection literally off its back, <laughs> creating all of these crazy branches. And so the branches just became part of became the tree.
2: That's so funny. All <laughs> right, so and good. this this is the other one. I'm going to drop out, and Jesse can talk about this. Hold on. Great.
0: Bye, set.
1: Your turn, Jesse. Oh, no, wait,
0: back. You... I don't want to see Sun. <laughs> Kickstarter.
1: I wanna see that.
0: What? It's, I don't see it. Kingdom, oh, Rush. See Kingdom Rush. I see it. Now I popped I've up. I've got live.
1: Tell them about Kingdom it. Kingdom
0: Rush. Yeah, it's finally up on Kickstarter. Um I mean we've been talking about it a bit, but there it is. Um and it's doing pretty good. And it's exciting and terrifying all at the same time. So um, it's doing
1: great so far.
0: It is doing great. That's what makes it exciting and terrifying all at the same time. (laughs) Um, You know, there's there's a lot of enthusiasm and love for the game, and that also is like translating into anxiety about making sure that, like, you know, what's when people actually get this thing? Are they actually going to be like, oh my god, the expectation? It's going to be great. No, it's awesome but there's, there's, great. and there's and there's a and there's another bit of like insider view on on what it's like to be a designer in the, in this space, right? you know. Um,
1: yeah, it's challenging. It's cool it though. It is. And it also depends and this is something we will maybe get into another episode is just how much you're involved or not involved. And I have to say being not involved is is okay stressful and then being involved can be like too t- stressful. So, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, no. And I mean, one of the extra challenging layers working IPs, which is something I now know way too much about, Um, and it was never my intended path, but is that there's the extra it's not just like, you're not just trying to make a good game, but you also have to make
1: yes.
0: fans happy.
1: Yes, <laughs> and it's I've just, got two big things you know, this year that I'm just like, yeah. fingers crossed <laughs> they love it.
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? And you know, it's and it's, it's so validating when they do. I mean, you know, we're, we're so thrilled at the response to Korra. Um, but then it's so nerve-wracking up until that moment where you, the game finally gets into the hands of the fans and you find out for real. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> it's like Kickstarter, it's, it, yeah, I mean, we're super proud of it. And, I mean, there's so many cool things coming. Um, but, yeah, anyway, it's awesome. Yay!
1: Just wanted to share how to, with Kickstarter.
0: I don't know how to tell Sen to come back.
1: <laughs> I don't either. I don't even know if he hears us. There, oh, he must hear us. Nope. I think he hears I totally hear you. I hear
0: you. I hear you all. I hear. you, all. Uh, I hear you all. Night, Helena. Yeah. Oh, so, you can hear us. Yeah. So, well,
2: thank you, thank you, anybody, anybody out there who has backed any of our games or will back any of our games. Uh, so, look for Folding Space, bop, 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 Folding Space on Kickstarter on April sixteenth. Um, you can, yeah. And it's going to be awesome. Uh, I am sure a day one backer. If, so here's the deal. If I'm not a day one backer, I'm a day, whatever the last day is backer. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's just the way it works. You
1: get them at the end or the beginning. I, I no don't way. back in the middle. Yeah. I
2: back at the beginning, the day that mm-hmm. Daryl tells me to back or the day Daryl says, hey, didn't you back yet? That's when yeah. I back. You're,
0: you're um, backer one or the last backer. Yes, exactly. Right.
2: <laughs> uh, and I definitely, I, I, intrigued by this game Daryl by the way told me about it at the first at the first day he saw it he goes dude and this is obviously if you know Daryl this is exactly what Daryl would say dude you got to see this game that Bobby and Alan have it's got this cool thing and that's all he said and then he walked away and, and then he probably fell asleep halfway while he was telling me that so totally Darryl. yeah uh, Brittany is saying that she can't wait it's gonna be awesome and then Erica has a couple things coming up to kickstart in the future, which we will announce. Uh, Jesse and I have Kidna Brush right now. Um, Jay and I have something coming up at the end of the month with um, Quan Chai, who did the art for Kodama 3D as well. And then later on in the year, and Bosk, yes, wow. And later on in the year, you know, I think Daryl and Jay and I have something coming out through Maple Games. Um, and we'll be at way looking at that game with the artist of the comic book that it's based on. Oh, and there's so much more to tell you guys. Um, you know, Eric and I yeah. have stuff to talk about. We've got lots of stuff. Anyways, yeah, we'll get it all up there. So yeah, because we have a lot of stuff. Uh, but thank you so much uh, for yes, watching. Yes, Bobby. And thanks, oh, Bobby, thank for, for coming me. on.
3: It's been a pleasure. No, no, no. Really.
2: And we will 100% play all the games in the next couple of days. So we'll see you in yes. Niagara Falls, New York, for the gathering of friends. Uh, Alan, it was really awesome to see you online. I, <laughs> through
1: Janet. that was-
2: <laughs> Through Janet. I actually never believe it when it's Alan because, you know, Alan touching technology?
1: What's up with that? <laughs> I, Who does?
3: I, would, I would add that... Anytime it's you see Janet online, it's safe to assume it's Alan. <laughs> right, exactly, that's <laughs> Good to know, good to know.
2: All right, well, that's it from us this week. Next All week, what do we have coming up?
0: Next week, we'll be talking with uh, Nick Nazaro of Lay Waste Games. Oh, cool. Um, He's an illustrator by day and owns a publishing a game publishing company, Lay Waste by Night. And so we're going to talk about um, the sort of union of illustration and game publication and then, you know, game design and all that kind of stuff. So.
2: Yeah, and he's he's got some really great, yeah. like, he's got a really great aesthetic.
0: They actually also have a game on Kickstarter right now, uh, Life Cypher. Yeah, Life Cypher, Life, um, Life which great. is really cool.
2: Yeah, neat art, yeah. neat art. Excellent. All right, so goodbye, everyone from London, Ontario, Canada,
1: and California, Toronto, Colorado. and Syracuse, of New York. Yeah. And and we got trees. Alan says so. Yeah.
0: Have a good night and make some games.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Maple Syrup Show. If you'd like to support us on all of our projects, please check out our Patreon page. We can be found at www.patreon.com backslash meeple syrup. Until next time, make some great games.